Michigan Short Track Racing Authority is Horsepower Happenings. Curtis Roberts, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. The Northport, Florida driver, Danny Sams III, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Travis Stemler, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Steve Irwin, welcome into Horsepower Happenings, my friend. Director of Race Operations for the ASA Stars National Tour, Joe Ballish, welcome. Over 50 years of industry experience, from behind the wheel to behind the microphone. Here comes Stambaugh into turns three and four. Stambaugh to the lift. Stambaugh sideways, Greg Dolman wins. Yeah, guys, wholesale uh, right side tire changes, that that seems to be the decision. All down. Oh. Exclusive interviews every week. Hear from drivers, track owners, series promoters, and so much more. You know, after about eight hours of months in medical center, they uh, they were pretty adamant about me staying out of the car for quite a while. It'll be, it'll be my first stab at driving a race car that I haven't prepared from end to end, that I'm not calling the shots on, all of that, all at once. Plus, local news, analysis, and opinions you didn't ask for. She is not going to have any excuses. That is some of the best equipment there at Anti Camp and Racing that money can buy. This points fund is massive. These races are massive. These are some of the most high-paying races in the country. From the Be Cool Radiator Studio, presented by CNT Services, here are Zach Heiser and Rich France. Good evening, race fans, and welcome in to another episode of Horsepower Happenings, a fun show lined up for you. Two great interviews, one special segment, and uh, Rich and I are going to BS a little bit, which is always fun, so let's get into it. Here's what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Did you watch the NASCAR Cup Series on Sunday? If you did, it's going to be the third closest finish you ever saw in NASCAR history. But three cars under a blanket. Three cars all within seven one hundredths, tenths, hundredths, no, seven one thousandths of a second. Rich France, come on. Um, Daniel Suarez gets the win by what ends up being .003 seconds at the line. So congratulations to him. High Limit Sprint Car Series and Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series unloaded at Golden Isle Speedway over the weekend. Mother Nature was involved as well. So what does that mean? Well, that meant that uh, High Limit got to race. They got to have some fun. Tyler Courtney dominated and got the win in their debut at Golden Isles on Thursday. But then Mother Nature got involved on Friday, washed away the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series Friday standalone portion of things. But that's okay. They came back on Saturday and... Mike Marler got his first Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series win of the season. And Jacob Allen took Coldwater, Michigan's Pell Tire Service to victory lane on his 1A machine. That was a cool little side note. Uh, Jacob Allen makes 20000 with the High Limit Sprint Car Series. And uh, while we're talking sprint cars, let's go USCS at Florida. Um, it was McCarl, Terry McCarl at Southern Raceway. Got the job done on Friday night. And then Mark Smith winner on the Sunday, or excuse me, winner on the Saturday portion of things at Southern Raceway with USCS Sprint Car Series. Those things and so much more happening tonight. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me from across the way. Good evening, sir. How are you? I am great, but you got me worried. If I have to finish this show, no, you'll your be voice right. sounds like it's going away. I know. Away. Right but there it... at the at the Motor City Minute, I got all jacked up, and my voice uh, got nervous. Maybe I, need yeah. a, maybe I need another Pepsi to get things. Yeah, drink, drink another one of those Pepsis and maybe chase it with an ice water. Uh, How was, was your weekend? It was great, man. Uh, we had some fun. We actually got the motorcycles out on Sunday. Sunshine, 52 degrees. It was a little chilly, uh, but we rode up to Portland to have a hamburger and a couple of uh, barley pops and... It was a great day. Great, great weekend. I did, I did something along the same lines. I got the golf clubs out. There you go. Oh, that'll be. You know me. Yeah. You know me. So I was on the golf course all day Sunday, and then uh, 
I, I was able to catch, believe it or not, I, I had I had a fun time on Saturday. I was able to catch the high limit sprint cars in the Lucas Oil on, on Flow Racing on okay. Saturday. That was that was a crazy track on Saturday night for both of them. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch it. So anything you'd like to, I mean, point out? Yeah, it just seemed like it was a handful um, for everybody. I mean, Jacob Allen won the race, and it was out of nowhere. I mean, nobody expected him. I mean, Tyler Courtney's just laying laying the wood to him all early this year, and he just drives by Courtney like he's standing still. Um, you know, and then I don't I don't know. It um, it just seemed. It seemed like the late models just couldn't get a grip after the sprint cars were out there, you know? They were sliding all over the place. Totally different racetrack. Yeah, they talk about that sometimes when you have to race before or after uh, sprint cars, what's going to happen uh, with the tire compound that you choose, so not unheard of there. How about this? Breaking news uh, on Friday from the Great Lakes Super Sprints. They had told us they had big news coming, and we had all been waiting with bated breath. Well, it finally happened, Rich. They announced title sponsorship for the Michigan and Ohio portions of their tour, Michigan Cat will be the title sponsor of the Great Lakes Super Sprints North, and Ohio Cat will be the title sponsor for the Great Lakes Super Sprints South. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means that if you race with the Great Lakes Super Sprints, your points payout just got a whole lot bigger at the end of the season. How much bigger, you ask? Well, if you're somebody like Max Stambaugh, Phil Gressman, maybe a Dustin Daggett uh, who wants to run all of these races. If you run every single event with the Great Lakes Super Sprints, less three on the national tour, you have the potential, Rich, to pocket $14,500 in championship prize money if you win the North Division, the South Division, and the Tour. Gas it up. Gas up the truck. Wow. Gas up the truck. We're going. Okay, so you say, no, I'm not doing that. I can't commit. I'm going to run the Michigan division. That's fine. Uh, if you win the championship in the North, Rich, four grand in your back pocket, thanks to Michigan Cat. Ohio division, 4500 thanks to Ohio Cat. And if you say, yep, I'm going to run the tour, but that means I'm going to miss some Michigan races or an Ohio race, you know, here or there, six grand if you're the tour champion. And uh, so what I understand, how I understand this, if you happen to win the tour, and win one of the other divisions, you're going to combine those championship funds, and that's going to be your potential total payout. And so run it down, tour, six grand, and then drop-off is not bad. 3300 for second in Michigan, 37 for second in Ohio, 5500 if you're running the tour, 4500 for third in the tour, three grand for, for third in Ohio, 2600 for third in Michigan, and it works its way all the way down to 10th. Where it's a thousand dollars in Michigan, a thousand dollars in Ohio, and twelve fifty on the tour. So if you finish tenth in Ohio, Michigan, and on the tour, and you meet the requirement of events participated in, Rich, thirty three hundred dollars uh, in your pocket at the end of the year. So pretty cool to see how this has all worked out for Great Lakes Super Sprints. I'm thinking there's a lot of printers of three sixty sprint car owners that have been. Uh, printing schedules a lot this uh, all yeah. over the weekend and last week, don't you think? Yeah, looking at calendars, looking at lodging, looking at uh, a lot of things. And it listen, you say to yourself, okay, what are the odds that somebody's going to win Michigan, win Ohio, and win the Tour Championship? Um, hello, what was it, June or July, that Max Stamball led all three? Come on. Yeah, it, it can happen. I mean, I think you're going to get – I don't know if it's going to – you know, double how many are running for everything. I don't think it'll do that. Um, but it's sure going to raise the incentive 
where you're going to see a lot of the same guys at every single event. You're, you're going to see that. Oh, yeah. And, uh, by the way, you do get three grace races. So if something happens and you can't make it, you get a little grace there. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. Crystal released its 2024 schedule of events, Rich. And you remember we talked to Brian uh, a couple of weeks ago. This is the one thing I wanted to point out. And we said to him, Brian, you're bringing the Dirt Car UMP Summer Nationals Hell Tour late models to Crystal, but you're leaving out your Dirt Car UMP modified guys. Well, that was amended. And uh, both divisions will be at Crystal this summer um, as part of the Dirt Car Hell Tour stop. So that's pretty cool. Also, they are bringing the, uh, how is it now, Valvoline, American Late Model Series, I think is how they've... Valvoline, Iron Man, American Late Model Series. We're going to screw that up for a couple of weeks. But regardless, they're going to Crystal uh, here in 2024 as well. So uh, look for that. That's going to be pretty cool. Other things they're doing, they've got the Ron Flynn Late Model Special as well. So they got uh, Fast Shaft Qualifier events for IMCA Modifieds. Their schedule is pretty darn good if you're a, a Saturday Night Dirt Track fan, Rich. And I, th- I think what we've heard so far... About late models, not bad for late model guys too, right? Not bad. Uh, they're they're going to get a ta- they could they're going to get a little bit of taste of everything throughout the state of Michigan if they want to. You're going to get a chance to go to Butler twice. Speaking of late model guys, which not, didn't used to be something that you'd be excited about, but now you kind of do get a little pumped about that because of all the changes they've done there. That's and that's a place that's not a late model track. By the way, August 17th is the Valvoline American Late Model Ironman Series. Fueled by VP, $5,000 to win for that event. And uh, Dirt Car Summer Nationals Hell Tour 10K, that's Friday, July 12th, are when they come to town. Rich, did you see the news in Outlaw Super Late Model World uh, that the Reveal the Hammer folks made a schedule adjustment this week? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think they did that because they needed to add a date because they lost some dates. Yeah, uh, they did. You know, they did. Um, we'll touch on that a little bit later, too. But, um, yeah, they made the Summer Sizzler the, the kickoff for the Reveal the Hammer uh, down at New Paris. Uh, that's been around since, I think, 2006, I think. Uh, Tyler Roar, of course, uh, you know, they were going to name it after him after a while. He owns seven of those titles. Yeah, they really should have. You know, but, uh, you know, we'll have, we'll have to see. Mark Shook picked up the win last year. Uh, we'll have to see if he can go back. I'm I'm a hundred percent sure he's going back going back there to try to pick up two in a row. Yeah. By so the way, I we'll just, have to see. I want to point out, uh, Cody Geyer has been helping us out uh, on the side with some stuff, and we appreciate Cody. He says uh, the race was first held in 2002. Rich two. was the okay. uh, first summer sizzler, and Irv Starrett beat out Brian Ross. Do you remember these names? And uh, Andy Brian Bo- Ross, yes. Andy Bozell, we know that one. Fourteen drivers who? have earned who? Andy <laughs> Bozell. Fourteen drivers have earned wins in the Sizzler over the years, led by Tyler Roerig, uh, with seven, according to Cody Geyer. So, wow, that's half of them. Fourteen, seven wins from Tyler. Yeah, he, and and I don't know that he's uh, been paying a whole lot of attention to it lately with his Sprint car uh, and and Silver Crown stuff he's got going on, but. Uh, I don't know. He could he could show up there anytime and just and just take their money. He what really do you think could. about this too? The uh, New Paris race is the only event for Reveal the Hammer scheduled outside of Michigan. Uh, joining Birch, well, Birch Run is off the calendar now, so that's a replacement, right? So joining Owasso, Kalamazoo, and Berlin in the 2024 calendar. Yep. And Zach, this is a little bit more closer to you that uh, you could little little information coming out of the Home Pro Roofing Stable. Yeah. As well, this if you. 
were not paying attention, you could have missed this. Steve Harding, who fielded the Nefco 14 car for Darren Nida at the beginning of last season, posted on his Facebook story and on his Facebook saying that he was excited and happy to be working with Home Pro Roofing for 2024. And that was it, Rich. I mean, you want to talk about dangling a bone. Uh, We don't know anything else. So many questions about what was going to happen with Home Pro Racing in 2024. Who's going to be their driver? Is there going to be a team? We didn't know anything. And now Steve Harding saying, exciting to be working with Home Pro Racing this season, getting ready for our first race in April with GLSS. It's a picture of a plain white wrapper, 50-year shingles car, go with the best, go with the pro, Home Pro Roofing on the nose wing, and a really nice stacker hauler trailer and another uh, bare-bones chassis sitting next to it. So they've got the tools. Do they have a driver? Do they have a crew chief? Do they have tire guys? They got Steve Harding. That much we know, and uh, Shannon, if this if this comes across to you this week, yes, I'm ready to answer the phone call and uh, hear what's going on because we know nothing. Steve or Steve or Shannon needs to call you. Come on, we can't just leave it at that. Yeah, somebody tell me something, right? Um, but uh, so there you go. Home pro racing will happen. And Rich, here's what we'll tell you, and it's no secret. Ryan Rule's in that car. Cole Macedo is in that car. Um, I can't think of the other kid's name. He normally drives a yellow uh, 52. What in the world was his name? It'll come to me when we're done with the show. Really great race car driver. He was in that ride last year. Rich, this is a good ride. It's good equipment. They're new. They're growing pains. This could be, with Steve Harding back involved, you might want to look out, depending on who gets in this ride in 2024. Yeah, we we saw what Cole Macedo did at I ninety six before the engine blew, right? I mean, he. I think we both agreed he would have had him covered. A hundred percent at I ninety six. You know, fast qualifier wins his heat and drives away in the feature before that car goes. You know, breaks. Um, quality equipment over over on that race team. I'll tell you, no secret there. All right, and and now I'll give credit where credit's due. This is an add on, Rich. You remember who it was. Yes, J.J. Hickle. J.J. Hickle. Nice job. Uh, That was the other one. And uh, finally here, before we get into our interviews, happy to announce, Rich, that uh, we, and when I say we, it's me. I've made this decision on my own. You're finding out with everybody else. March is Michigan Motorsports History Month is coming back to Horsepower Happenings. I thought this was so fun last year, Rich. We kind of worked with the Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame, went through their list of Hall of Fame inductees, and the ones who are... I'm going to put it bluntly, the ones who are still around and we can get a hold of, Rich, uh, we utilized one of our featured interview segments last year to talk to them and learn more about the history of Michigan Motorsports. And then throughout the week, um, we featured their biographies on our website at horsepowerhappenings.com. And I that was, of course, paired up with Sweet Manufacturing last year in the Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame. I just thought that was so much fun to dive into our history last year that I wanted to do it again this year. Yeah, it is pretty cool. And and I think the difference, Zach, is to be honest, we can always talk to the younger guys that that have that have been recently retired and have been really successful in the last 20, 30 years. But it's cool to talk to the guys that were around, like let's say before you were, oh yeah, even a thought, you know, a hundred percent. And how and it, and it's nice to talk and figure out how auto racing was back then, um, and, because it obviously was so different. Yeah, a hundred percent. That'll start. Believe it or not, Rich. March, that'll be our next show, March 4th. 
one week from today. Can you believe that? February is uh, gone with the wind. So, um, Motorsports uh, Michigan Motorsports History Month begins next week right here on Horsepower Happenings. Rich, time to get into our first interview of the night, and we had to back this up a couple of weeks because we had some winners down in Florida this year, and so we talked to Zeke McKenzie last week, and now we move on to uh, the guy who got the first win of the modified portion of things at Volusia a couple of weeks ago, makes his home in Clark Lake, Michigan. Brian Ruhlman, welcome in to Horsepower Happenings. Thanks, guys. Well, I'm going to come right out of the gate and talk to you like I did Zeke. And, you know, you know this. Zeke McKenzie's doing his own chassis thing. You've been doing, uh, you know, Ruhlman, uh, you know, Rocket by Ruhlman for a long time, and you've been building race cars for a long time. Talk about what it means. You're no stranger to it, but just to get a Gator to put your name in lights down at Volusia. You've done a lot of things in this sport, but is there anything that compares to going to Victory Lane at Volusia during Speed Week? Well, our main reason for going down there is, you know, being being in the modified, you know, chassis builder world. Um, if you skip Florida or you don't run well in Florida, uh, you start to not be relevant uh, in a lot of the conversations. And, and uh, it, it's a very good marketing deal. So um, we've been working on some new suspension stuff for the last year. We went down there last year with a totally brand new deal. And basically, it was uh, six nights of just testing. And we got pretty good. We didn't pick up a win. We got close. Um, and we worked all summer developing it. And uh, towards the middle of the season, we, the car got really, really good. And we got some other guys on it. And um, so when we went down there, we just unloaded the same way that it, we ran the last couple races up here. And so when you are down there, are you thinking about things that you're trying with your car that could apply to other people? I mean, how much of it is we want to look good on this national stage, but also we want to learn, build our notebook. I mean, this season, obviously you get the win right out of the gate, top 10 finish the next night, runner up the following night, a forgettable night on Thursday. That's fine. Back inside the top five on Friday and a tough night to end the week on Saturday. How much of that is go down there and build a notebook that we can use on on these chassis, and how much of it is we really want to put on a good showing in this 49 car? Well, we, we spent all last year coming up with a notebook and, and working on the adjustments and the balance of the car. And, you know, the last couple, two or three nights at Eldora, we were, you know, we won a couple of them. We got taken out of one. We won Waynesfield. So we, we were really good. So... Uh, literally after Waynesfield, we, uh, washed the car, put it up on jack stands and it sat here collecting dust until about four days before we left. And we changed the oil in it and aired up the tires and put it in the box and went to Florida. Um, and, but we knew what we had, we knew we could be good out of the box and, uh, the adjustments, uh, actually the less we messed with it, the better we were. Uh, the first night, the first night we literally scrape mud put gas in it and uh that's all we did all night those have so. got to be dream nights man well you don't have to get out the wrenches and move bars and anything is that or do you get nervous do you think oh man we need to chase this or we're going to be out to lunch well i always preach to my customers that uh you know that if the car's balanced leave it alone and the second night i didn't listen to my own advice and we made some changes and Actually, Veronica wanted me to go get a hot dog, so I would leave the car alone and <laughs> threaten to take lock the toolbox on me. And, of course, we raced our way from second back to ninth. 
And uh, so the next night I went back just putting gas in it and scraping the mud off, and we ran second. And uh, so, you know, and, and uh, you know, I, I the stuff I build is the same thing that I have my customers on. All of my customers are allowed to look under my car. I don't have anything different than they have unless we're developing something. But, uh, you know, I want to make sure that I have a good a good balance and a good set of adjustments that I can tell my customers that they can bolt on and they can go out and run with us or beat us, if, you know, so uh, uh, that, that's the best thing for sales. My first introduction to Brian Ruman was in the ethanol tour days. Brian, I uh, worked with Scott and, and I worked with Zach over there and on the late model side. And then all of a sudden I saw, oh, Brian Ruman's running a modified. Oh, sprint car. Where's this come from? Man, is this, do you do all this to expand your business or can you just not decide and you just want to just race everything? Well, I've always, I've raced since I was 14 years old and I've always raced for fun. Um, you know, I went to college, got an engineering degree so I could, you know, make money and did that for a dozen years. That's kind of how I ended up out in the, uh, Ohio, Michigan area. And, uh, had the opportunity kind of thrown upon us to build race cars for a living back in 06. And uh, I thought, you know what, I'll do this till the phone quits ringing and then we'll go back to an engineering and the phone as of yet hasn't stopped ringing. So we've been really lucky. And the, uh, you know, we started the modified, modified thing back in 02 and uh, it's been a really good business model for us. The late model stuff is really, uh, it's getting too expensive for even myself. Um, you know, if it wasn't part of our business, I probably wouldn't own one right now. Um, the sprint car thing is a bucket list. Um, I've always wanted to drive a USAC non-wing sprint car uh, since I was a little kid. And to go do that, uh, and actually Volusia, the second night, we damn near won the heat race. Um, Kevin Thomas Jr. passed me on the last lap. They had a caution with two to go. And... You know, so I made a USAC race through the heat race, you know, qualified my way in. Uh, you know, we made the, the USAC four crown last fall. And that, to me, that's my satisfaction. That's the bucket list. I have fun with it. Um, you know, Veronica gets on me sometimes. You know, oh, you're not driving it fast enough or you're way slower than what we need to be. And I say, you know what, I'm going to go as fast as I'm comfortable with and that's it. You know, on I'm that open wheel, out. on that open wheel note, I just wanted to mention too. You mentioned the the four crown. Um, I was watching Flow Racing the other day. Their Flow Racing Live that's always looping, and um, you were running damn well inside the top five in a Silver Crown show at one point. Am I remembering that correctly? Those were Silver Crown cars you were out there in. Yeah, actually, the Silver Crown was another bucket list. You know, I I thought, you know what, I want to run a Silver Crown USAC car at Eldora. Now, and... did you build that car yourself? We bought the, the car, the roller, from uh, Bob Hampshire, which it was the car that uh, Chad Kamenaugh had raced. Uh, so it's proven. Maxim. I'm sorry? I said, so it's proven. Name like Kamenaugh behind it. That's not bad. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I, I had sold my, I had a crate uh, Rush Sprint car, and I had a, a Camaro that I never drove. And I basically I sold both of those, and I took that money, and that was my Silver Crown car. And, you know, it was a bucket list deal, and that was as big as my bucket was. So we, we bought an older um, uh, USAC East Coast 360 to put in the Silver Crown car, which 
uh, we had it down at Tim Engler's tuning it before we went to do, to uh, Springfield, and he pulled me aside. He said, you know, he said, I hate to tell you this, but you're 200 horsepower off of what these other guys have. And I said, well, this is a bucket list, and my bucket was only that big. So, um, you know, and, and I've kind of built everything I've had. I, I started out with nothing. I didn't have a rich dad or a bunch of sponsors or anything. I worked my butt off. And, you know, so I, I would take my toys, and I, I sold those two toys and turned it into another toy. And now, once I've had my fill of the silver crown car, I can hopefully turn that money back into whatever my next thing is. But, um, you know, I'm 50, I'll be 54 years old. And I thought, you know what, I'm not getting any younger. I want to do this. So um, I did it. Brian, you talked about how important it was when you go down to Florida for speed weeks for your business. Kind of talk about how hard it is when you go down there. I mean, you know, you see, Every type of division is down there. So you see a non-wing sprint car, you probably don't have 80 of them uh, show up at a track like those modifieds. Uh, that has to be kind of stressful when you have that many modifieds, maybe up to 100, uh, and, and not many guys make the show. Well, the, the way they changed the format a couple of years ago is really nice. Um, that's really the only reason we keep going back there. Um, so basically, they, they split it up into six 20-car features. So, you know, before you would have probably 80 guys that could were capable of winning the feature, and every night it would weed down to 20. So you'd have 60 potential championship winning cars sitting on the trailer or racing in the B main for 50 bucks. Well, now, you know, it, it, it widens that field to where, you know, you've got a pretty good chance if you've got good stuff qualifying up front and running a feature and making some money and getting a decent finish. Um, and the thing I like is you don't have to run qualifying a heat race, a B main, a feature, you know, we'd get done racing six nights down there and we were just plumb wore out. And now you run three laps of qualifying, you run your feature, you can sit around, chat, watch the other races. And it's more of a fun vacation. And I'm assuming what they do now is they make all the features, the same payoff from front to back. Yes. And they're 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 equally spread across. So it's not like a fast feature to a slow feature. It's six equal features. So you know you you hope you don't get stacked in ones with you know strummy in nicely and uh, you know all of those. But and and most of the time it works out to where we're spread out. So you know you've got good competition through the field, but you've got good competition spread amongst the features. Um, so yeah, it's it's really good for everybody. I think. You know, you mentioned Volusia, and, and Zeke talked on this last week, is important for business. And so, obviously, we've talked to two car owners from this area, car builders from this area, who've spoke on that from Volusia. But what is the, is there camaraderie? You mentioned Stremi and Nicely, and you're there, and Mackenzie's there, and there's others that I don't know about or, or that, you know, I'm forgetting. Do you guys talk? Do you swap industry notes? I mean, what is... What is the atmosphere like among the Brian Romans, the Zeke McKenzies, the you know the the guys that are building chassis? What are you guys like down there with each other? Well, I mean, I, I think we all have mutual respect for each other. Um, you know, Zeke was actually a good customer of ours, and you know he he ran our stuff for a few years, and then he decided he wanted to go build you know build chassis and be a chassis builder, and he's been very successful at that, and I'm proud of him for what he's done, and. Uh, you know, we're still friends. We're, you know, uh, you know, I've talked to Nick Hoffman down there. We talk 
pretty much everybody is good friends down there. Um, you know, I wouldn't say we get our notebooks out and <laughs> compare numbers, but right. you know, we'll, we might have a hamburger together. That's uh, it's a good social atmosphere. You also mentioned too, and I wanted to go back to this. You were going to do this until the phone quit ringing, and then you were going to go back to using that engineering degree. Um, when you started this in 2006, did you ever think that, I mean, we're closing in on 20 years, right? I mean, 18 years later, did you think that you'd still be in a shop with your name on it, with, you know, all these race cars lined up and customers calling and having to prove your technology? I mean, what was the timeline that you had in mind when you started this? Well, I, actually, I didn't really even choose to start this. Um, I was running an, running an engineering company in Toledo at the time, and in 06, the automotive market started to tank right before we had the big recession in 08. Right. Well, I was the highest paid guy at this small company, except for the owner that had bought the place a year before, and I'd worked there for 12 years, so I was the first guy that got let go when things started slowing down, so... I went from, you know, having a, a, you know, being a senior manager of the company to being unemployed. And I had lots of toys. I had a Corvette. I had a five-acre, you know, how, property. And, that you know, I was able to, to have nicely with, with uh, the job that I had. Sure. And now it's like, what do I do now? Well, all of the engineering jobs in Michigan in the auto market were going away. So you couldn't get an engineering job in Michigan. So... I thought, geez, what am I going to do? Well, the phone started ringing. The guys would say, you know, I, I wrecked my car. I need my car scaled, or can you build this? And and I just, I kept, I would just do whatever's on the other end of the phone line. And the marketing and engineering work that I had done for the small company there really helped me tailor the business to uh, to what we needed it to be. And in August of 06, I cashed in my 401k and I put it in inventory on the shelf. Wow. And uh, How tough so was it to make it, that decision? To take that, I mean, life's work and say, okay, we're moving in this direction with this money. Uh, cash it in, take it to the bank. Here's what we're doing. Was that a hard decision? Um, yes, absolutely. Um, looking back at it, I was very blessed that things happened the way they happened. I would believe that stuff happens for a reason. You got to have your eyes and ears open and just kind of ride the, ride the wave. And, uh, being that I pulled my, everything out of my 401k at the end of 06, yeah. I think everybody knows what happened yeah. in 08 wow. with all of our 401ks. Talk about the timing, right? You do that and everything goes to hell in a handbasket. You got to be sweating bullets a little bit, right? Yeah, well, but I took I, I took my 401k out when everything was right at its peak. So you got now, the best investment that. in that. Right, right. I didn't know that till you know, five years later. But, um, you know, and then, I mean, I I worked my ass off. I mean, it, it owning your own business and doing something like this, um, it's seven days a week. It's uh, from the time the sun goes up until the time you can't stand up anymore and you know, it's uh, if you look at what you make an hour, it's probably not what uh, <laughs> don't not minimum wage. Just but, don't, right? But you know, it, it's doing something that I love to do. I built race cars when I was 14 years old, and uh, you know, but to walk away from a six-figure engineering job to build race cars—that would be foolish. But when the cards are dealt for you, you just kind of roll with 
the way God thinks, you know, is trying to tell you to go. And, and uh, you know, I've been really blessed. I mean, I've been a really lucky guy. I've had good people around me. I've had good customers, which most of the customers I consider good friends. Um, you know, we've had some of the same customers since we started doing this. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm blessed. And uh, I'm just having fun and trying to make enough money so I can keep the lights on. Brian, I want to talk to the guy inside the helmet. You know, I raced for 25 years, and I thought, you know, um, 25 years, and when I turned 50, that that was a good time. Then I've been running my mouth ever since. Um, is there a point that you get to? You said you're 54. Uh, do you get out of the car and start putting some young guy in your cars to show your stuff off, or what are your plans in that area? Uh, you know, I had, back during COVID, um, I had a lot of friends that uh, just up and died. Um, some guys my age, younger than me, a little older than me. And I thought, you know what, as long as I'm lucky enough to be here and I can stand upright and I can afford to do it, I'm going to have fun. And I'm going to race, you know, and that's when, when I bought a sprint car. You know, I, I thought, you know what, hell, I'm, you might not be here tomorrow, you might not be here next week, but by God, I'm going to have fun while I'm here. So no, Rich, he's going to race till he can't no more. There's your answer. Uh, but I love that too. And um, I think that's great. That's, uh, that's the way to look at that. Now, open wheel cars. Well, and let, let me, let me, let me add something to yes, that. Please. I, I've always said that I will race until it's not fun anymore. And that's, you know, the, the, if I wasn't doing the sprint car thing, it would be really hard for me to be a really dedicated late model racer. Well, and you already said, right, the price of late models is, is to the point now where you almost are questioning if it wasn't for the business, would you even put up with it? So that's a pretty telltale right there. Yeah, yeah. And But getting into the sprint cars when I did, it was a whole new discipline. So I've, I've never dealt with fuel injection. I've never dealt with torsion bars. I'd never sat in a sprint car. I didn't know how to start a sprint car. And so I'm learning as a rookie and I got to meet a whole new group of people, you know, cause everybody, you know, the modified guys kind of cross over a little bit to the late model guys, but the sprint car guys are a whole different group. And I, I think those are the best drivers. The non-wing 410 sprint car guys are the best, most talented drivers in the world. And I have the utmost respect for these guys because this car is the most difficult car in the world to drive. I, and, and you talk to some of the wing sprint car guys and, and that, and they're like, oh, no, I wouldn't get in a non-wing car. You're crazy. But it, it is so much control, you know, driver control. And to watch, you know, the Robert Blues and the Justin Grants and the, um, all those guys race side by side and not wreck every lap is just amazing to me. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not very good at it yet, but I'm getting better. And, uh, so we, uh, but it's so much fun just learning a new discipline. Brian, you said if you're still having fun, is there a fine line between having fun and being competitive or do they go hand in hand? Yes, it goes hand in hand, but you know, it's being competitive. It's understanding where you are on the food chain. Okay. When I, like I looked that. at the lineup at Volusia for the USAC show, there were 28 cars. There were 25 of them that could legitimately win that race either night. There are three guys that couldn't. I was one of those. So they were starting 24 cars. So it's like, okay, if I make the show, 
that's a win to me. And the first night we made it through the B main. The second night I damn near won the heat race. I made it through the heat. To me, that was that was the 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 best thing of that whole two weeks down there was making you know making the USAC feature through the heat race. Well, and, we've done. Uh, you know, go ahead, Brian. I'm sorry. No, I, I, I'm finished that thought. Well, I was just going to say, we've well documented now for 18 years, you've been racing in a style that is intention to put food on your table. When you got into this non-wing deal, you've already mentioned how much fun it is for you. Was there an added element there where it doesn't matter if Brian Ruhlman does well in this car or not, because nobody's looking to buy um, you know, GRT or not GRT, but nobody's looking to buy right triple X's by Ruleman or, or whatever, um, where you can just go out there and race and just race because you want to race. Was that an added, you know, kind of lift off of the shoulders, if you will? Well, as a as a businessman too, it was a whole nother potential customer base. Um So you are so racing right now, to try to sell sprint cars, is what you're telling me. <laughs> You know, I, I I I get up in the morning to make money so that I have money to play to buy toys. To have fun <laughs> I like it. <laughs> and, I mean, right now I've got six sprint cars sitting outside that need repaired. Um, you know, we came up with our own front axle based on the engineering stuff that I've learned and stuff we've done in late models and that. Uh, we've got a one of a kind front axle in the sprint car, and I've had guys after Volusia calling me looking to buy our front axles. Now. How about that? Um, so yeah, it's, uh, we've got a few guys on them out in Pennsylvania and, uh, you know, I, I don't really advertise and promote it and, and that, but you know, the people that want to spend money, they'll find you. Well, I take that back then. Uh, you, you have to race to put bread on the table. That's, uh, that's what you do. That's your job. And I, I love that. I, I thought maybe you'd get into that just to relax and have fun. But uh, like you said, a true businessman finds a way to make a buck and, um, I like that that's the way that you went. Now, you went to Volusia with the USAC car. This will be my last question. Um, what are you looking at for 24? Because I know you had mentioned that you were interested in getting to back to some racing around here a little bit. I think you had said that at some point in the off season. Maybe I think I saw you maybe at the Great Lakes Banquet, and you'd mentioned that. Um, what are you looking to do in 24 between the three avenues of cars that you have Business-wise, right, uh, ALMS is kind of coming back with, with a little help from the Valvoline series. You're a multi-time champion there. What are you looking at here for this season? Well, you know, last year we did the Boss Point deal. And I did it because I committed to Aaron Fry that I was going to do that. Um, when you follow a series, though, it makes you make some bad decisions. Sure. So we would we would drive four hours away to run – probably for the same amount of money that we could have driven a half an hour from home and run, you know, or you could run somewhere where you know it's going to rain one of the two nights out, or you could go over here and you could race and get both nights in. But, you know, we committed to do it. We did it. Um, this year, I think we're just going to take all four cars. We've got the late model, the modified, the 410, and the silver crown. Um, and we're just going to pick a place. I've got everything on my calendar, so some weekends I've got seven different choices. And depending on the weather or what we feel like racing, we'll just say, okay, we're going to go to Pennsylvania. We're going to run the modified one night and the sprint car the other night. Or, you know, we'll just 
pick and have fun. Or if we, if we want to stay home and do something, we'll do that too. It's 2024 um, Brian Ruhlman's outlaw schedule year. Is that what 24 is? You're going to do whatever you want. It's, I want to have fun. And, you know, the, the, the point thing, it, it really can drag you down. Um, for really what you, what you make in the end, um, you, you probably spent more than that in, in diesel and pit passes and all that trying to, to chase it. So For sure. Well, Brian, man, it's always a pleasure to get a chance to catch up with you. And, and I've heard more of your story tonight than I'd heard before, and I appreciate you sharing that because what a story it is, and um, it's cool to hear that, right? I think people get a misconception from guys who win, guys who are successful. They instantly think that everything's been handed to them. Um, and, uh, your story is not that man. I'm, I'm, I'm honored to hear it and, uh, honored to know you and congratulations on everything. The success, the win down at Volusia, the good run in the uh, open wheel car. Uh, I'm excited to see what your outlaw schedule looks like in 24, see where you end up. And, uh, hopefully I get to call your names a couple of times this season. Good deal. I appreciate it. Thanks guys for having me on. Rich, it's time to introduce a new segment that we have here on Horsepower Happening starting uh, starting today. And it'll happen every fourth Monday moving forward. Um, you'll notice some new segments here on Horsepower Happenings this season. And uh, this guy is going to host it. He's a front-wheel drive extraordinaire. And what we mean by that is this guy knows compacts inside and out. He's the new host of Compact Conversations here on Horsepower Happenings. But he's no stranger to hosting Compact uh, information uh, stuff. We're going to talk about that and more coming up. From Charlotte, Michigan, Todd Metz Jr., welcome into Horsepower Happenings. Well, hey, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I'm pretty excited to do this just in general, but uh, it's, uh, it's it's fun to get to hang out with you guys for the first show and just kind of let everybody know who I am and, and what I do for, you know, your audience might not be as up on all the front-wheel drive stuff. Yeah, well, and that's what we want to do, man, is we want to bring that next level of, you know, we, we people know what we do, and what we mm-hmm. cover, that's no secret, but there's a void there. And so we're trying to fill that void. And people may say, okay, Todd Metz Jr., Todd Metz, Metz, Metz. Yogi? No, not quite. Uh, you're close. Uh, next generation of Metz. So just briefly, Todd, you know, kind of the Reader's Digest, your involvement in auto racing and, and your family's involvement has been compact heavy uh, for a long time. Talk about that. Yeah, uh, I started racing in 2007, and I was, I'm was i first generation. My dad started racing after I did, um, stuff like that. That doesn't Nobody... normally happen that way. That's, uh, that's no. a little backwards. <laughs> no. Um, I don't think I've ever met anybody who brought their their elders in um, like I have. So that's kind of the, the fun part is we actually have gotten my mom to race as well. Uh, my mom has raced a couple seasons. Um me, myself, uh, yeah, me, myself, obviously, <laughs> myself, my father, and my mother uh, are all track champions in the compact class at Springport Motor Speedway um, at various times. So, uh, yeah, I started racing at 07. Um, the only thing I personally have ever raced uh, is front wheel drives. Um, that's the only thing I've ever done. Um, and I'm welcome to hear all the discussions from people about having to move up and I should move up and all that crap. You know, I'll have that conversation with anybody. Uh, I can afford to race. So that's what I do. And, uh, I'm pretty good at it. I've, I've won, uh, I've won two or three, uh, races <laughs> over the year. Um, won most, uh, if it's a big show in the state of Michigan, I've, I've probably won it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's all I've ever done. Uh, my dad raced, uh, rear wheel drives, um, one season, uh, got rookie of the year, should have got rookie of the year. Uh, and then just got back into front wheel drives cause we could afford to, and we were traveling and, he wanted to go race at Bristol and stuff like that. So yeah, it's 
front wheel drives are the only thing I've ever done. Um, I'm just, I'm pretty good at it. So yeah. Pat, let's, let's talk about front wheel drives for a minute for our fans that aren't really familiar with them. Right. Um, mm -hmm. when they started coming into racing, they were strip them out, put a little, put a little tin in it between the, and put, put a fuel cell in it or maybe even not that and, and go racing. Um, the front wheel drives today, whether on dirt or pavement, are far from that. Uh, sometimes. Um, it's it's becoming a lot more prevalent where you have the faster cars, which is what I do. I race, you know, I, I typically tell everybody there's two styles. There's there's stock and then there's outlaw or touring series. And I run the outlaw and touring series stuff. Um, the idea back in the day um, was... Uh, you know, you could go racing for $500. That was always the idea. And to be fair, you can still do that. Um, if you were doing that when they started, you weren't winning. If you're doing that now, you're not winning. It's just, it, it still happens. You know, dirt track has a lot of, I, I, I won't lie, I'm more pavement based. So the, so the dirt stuff, there's Hornets and Warriors and front wheel drives and stocks. And I, they've got a bunch of different names, but a lot of tracks basically have a stock rule set and more of a built rule set. And that stock class, you can still do that. You can still knock the glass out, cage it. Um, you're never going to hear me say you shouldn't put a bunch of money into safety gear because that's what I've built my platform on. Um, but the same token, aside from uh, safety gear, you can put $1,000 into a car and you can still go racing. There is, in my opinion, there is absolutely no more affordable way to go racing, uh, stock car racing, than a front wheel drive and i almost don't care what part of the country you're in um especially the state of michigan they're they've gotten a little farther you know we we've <laughs> we, we've done some stuff with them but you do still have that ability to have a thousand dollar car it's just probably not a fast one but the flip side of that coin is and you know i'm going to be brass here this division has air quotes classed up a lot from where it started mm -hmm. because when it started that was the only way you were racing front wheel drives is mm -hmm. bone stock with a cage and like rich said maybe a fuel cell now no, as we've seen with racing divisions throughout the entire history of our motorsport somebody starts cheating enough and they make a division for them somebody starts beefing it up enough they make a division dedicated to them and so now we have that touring and outlaw front wheel drive and um i remember when touring compacts came out nobody thought it would work and Man, it's been a hit just because it is a different class of racing than your weekly, let's say, let's just, you know, weekly compact division. There's a lot of dedication. There's a lot of hours spent in the shop. There's a lot of marketing dollars involved. And there's a lot that goes into those race teams. Yeah, and it's it's funny because when I started in 07, that was basically, you know, if you raced a front-wheel drive, it was a stock division. And, you know, in 2000 and nine 2010 or so there's we started being allowed to race with mini stocks we weren't always and so the evolution of going from stock to you know the high dollar high speed high horsepower cars we have now it wasn't a you know two or three guys were cheating well let's find a way to do that the issue was is that and it, it still rings true today if you're in a stock style class front wheel drive there is no jump you can make outside of front wheel drives that's affordable, um, that's in the same vein of affordability. Because if I'm going from being in a good front wheel drive and, and a stock class, I can't jump into, you know, again, this is the pavement world as much. Aside from one or two tracks, there's nothing except for street stock as the next step. And a guy like me, I don't own a single Chevy 350 part. I don't own a single GM metric chassis part. Right. So if I want to build a street stock, 
I have to start from scratch and I cannot build a decent quality street stock. I can't buy one for less than $15,000, $20,000 to have an operation, you know, to, to be decent, not, not just go out and race, but, but to do decent. And the, the problem was, is that the outlaw stuff was born from that gap. There was no way you had guys that couldn't afford to do anything else because they couldn't start over and they couldn't buy these high dollar cars. Right. But at the same time, man, with me, with my neons, you know, that's what I race is Dodge Neon. I, I could buy a set of cams here and I could buy a, a ported head here and I could buy a clutch here and I could buy, you know, I could adjust my strut. Like I could just slowly build that up. And that's what a lot of guys are finding. It's still, it's still cheaper to start in a stock class and bump into the outlaw stuff for that stop gap versus having to completely switch. And you know, in my opinion, the easy that that's why front wheel drive is so good to bring people into this sport too. Because if somebody's if somebody's kid is racing and they're racing a front wheel drive and dad drives a street stock or a mod or a late model, chances are they've got spare parts and a spare chassis sure. and a spare time. So they can jump right into that because dad can quickly and easily put them together a car. You know, whereas with a front wheel drive guy like me, not having that, you know, my dad races a Dodge Neon. <laughs> right. So right. So that, that's where that outlaw stuff is really, really helpful. And that's, I try to talk to people about that all the time because they see it as just, oh, you guys just want to spend a ton of money, but you're scared to jump up. No, I still am saving so much money racing this versus a completely different program. Let's talk about the class of driver that you're seeing in there, because I think that's another misconception is, you know, lower division, lower talent, lower ability. Um, and, you know, Rich and I have had this this frank conversation when you go on the road and you see a national compact touring series event or a Vores compact touring series event, just to name two, you are seeing a really good race. Um, you know, there are some hiccups along the way because there are still guys involved that are learning and are growing and are getting better. Um, but there's a big misconception about the, in my opinion, uh, about the quality of driver that's involved in these divisions now. A lot of that has to do with perception um, and that the perception for a lot of people is that we are a throwaway division We're we're the entry level we're the budget. And, you know, and I, I hear it and see it all the time. You guys never should have been allowed to. The problem is, is that everybody thinks that it's just a bunch of people that don't have any money, don't have any talent, don't have any skills, you know, and and. And, and I'm not gonna lie. There's some tracks that allow that they encourage that, you know, oh, here comes the chaos of our front wheel drives. And if a track wants destruction, front wheel drives are a good place to get it. But the traveling series, you know, I, I, I say this often, you have race car drivers and you have guys who drive race cars. Um, and the touring series is no different. There are some guys who drive race cars um, that are in the touring series that can cause problems from time to time. But if you're spending a lot of money to travel um, and have the cars, typically you are in that upper class of driver. And I, I know I'm I know that I'm probably biased. But front-wheel drive racing has some of the actual best racing if you're a race fan because you can go two, three, four wide in a front-wheel drive where late models won't go too wide. Um, and, and it's just some of the absolute best racing. And the, the people that won't watch front-wheel drives, you know, I hate the sound of them. I get it. So do I for most of them. <laughs> it, you're missing out on so much actually good racing um, because of that. I want to get to the car portion. We kind of touched on the drivers there. When I first went to Winchester and Nashville and saw the Vors Compact Touring Series on the schedule, my first thought was somebody is going to die this weekend. <laughs> I, and, and when, because I know Winchester and I know Nashville. They are not small. 
and um, these cars were prepared specifically for those racetracks. What do they do now? I know I, I would have never bet it in my lifetime I would ever see oval track parts for a compact, but or is or is most of the work that you guys do on these things fabrication to make them work? It might blow your mind to know that unless somebody is making parts for these cars, there probably isn't parts for them. Um, that's that's what I, I just spent a bunch of time um, out at a media trade conference talking to people about front wheel drives, you know, major corporations um, that don't know we exist. Like nobody is making parts for us. Um, there's there's a couple that we can use from here and there, but you're you're buying the best Moog parts you can buy to put on these things. You know, you're fabricating as much as possible. Um, a big portion of why cars are doing so well at places like Winchester and Nashville, um, you know, and, and Bristol Motor Speedway, which is as fast or faster than both of them, Lucas Oil, you know, IRP, stuff like that. I mean, we're running some really big, this last year, VCTS visited the Milwaukee Mile. Um, National Series has been on... Um, not Rockingham, um, another NASCAR race. Um, I cannot remember the name of it, but we've been on some really big tracks, New Samirna, stuff like that, is they have a very big deal on safety with the touring series. Um, <clears throat> I believe this year, both series, head and neck is required, containment seats are required, fuel cells are required, fire suppression systems are required, um, and it's non-negotiable. Like VCTS is going to Bristol in a few weeks, um, and it is non-negotiable. If you don't have those things, you will not touch the track. There is no, well, we'll let it slide. If you don't have it, you're not going out. And that is where these cars, when they first started running Winchester, I ran Winchester in 2014, and we didn't have those mandates. I had a regular seat. I had a neck roll. I had a wow. one-piece, a, a single-layer fire suit and stuff like that. And it was a case What were you thinking? <laughs> yeah, do you look back now and go, you got damn lucky? Uh, to put it bluntly, my first thought was, "What the? F <laughs> uh, <laughs> just to just to put it nicely, um, yeah." The first time um, I actually, Dan Redman is the uh, just a real real quick story about that with with Winchester. When I went out there first to practice, um, and that I went out, and Winchester is a completely different animal for any of you guys that have never been there. It is you run against the wall on this half mile track. That's the highest bank track in the United States. It's insane. I was I was diamond in this thing like a normal racetrack because I'd never been there. I'd never watched a race. And the race director's like, um, you know, after my first practice, a few guys came and got me like, dude, you got to run higher. Just stay in it, blah, blah, blah. I go out for the next practice and I think I'm doing really well. I, I'm, I'm not touching the brakes. I'm going in real deep. I think so. Going through the corner and all this. And I'm, I'm way up the track. I, I'm, I'm almost to the wall. I know that I'm way up there. And Dan Redmond, the race director, comes over and goes, 79, you're clear. There's no one around you if you want to go ahead and move up a groove or two. And ah. the thought that went through my head was, motherfucker, I am up a groove or two. Like, what? what? Um, <laughs> like, I didn't know any better back then. I didn't know I was as unsafe as I was. Um, but looking back now, after having ran Bristol, um, it still blows my mind that we were allowed there and nobody got hurt. But it's it's the beauty of it is, if you have all the safety gear, you can take a Dodge Neon, a Chevy Cavalier, Honda Civic. You can go run those tracks. Let's talk about the media side of things that you've been doing. You mentioned earlier that you will not shy away from telling people they need to invest in safety equipment. Front wheel discussion is your baby. Um, you have used that platform to reach out to uh, millions across, I think millions, maybe thousands across the country um, about compacts and, you know, really uh, not really just across the world. You know, you have a worldwide platform. So um, talk about front wheel discussion, how that came and uh, what you've been using that platform for. 
I lucked into it. Um, the Twist Network, um, back in the day. Um, ah, the they, old Twist. I'd forgot about Twist. Yeah, had a, they had a segment uh, with. Um, I, I I don't believe things were negative, but it was with uh, the touring series, with the national series, with Andy and them, um, and they just parted ways. And so uh, Twist wanted a front-wheel drive show, and I reached out to Larry Richardson, who was, um, at the time, was in charge of stuff. Um, and I said, hey, man, I just want to be involved. Like, I, I want to make sure, like, you know, because the, the touring series one was about the touring series, as it should be. And I'm like, man, I, I just want to do a tech segment, if nothing else. And he's like, he's like, we got nothing. If you want to do it, you can do it. I'm like, okay, cool. And I wanted something that ran with FWD, uh, with, you know, front wheel drive. And um, you guys can see it on camera. You know, we have the FWD and all that. And it took me a lot longer than I, it should have to come up with front wheel discussion. But we just sort of ran with it. And if you ask Facebook, um, we've reached millions of people, um, <laughs> whether they scrolled past and muted me. But Facebook impressions say that we've reached a few million. Um, and I'm in a lot of different countries. I had, I've had guys come from Australia to hang out with me. Mr. Ben Ferris came last year to hang out. He's supposed to be coming back this year. Um, yeah, it, it's just... It, I'm the only person doing it. Um, you know, we've got some guys doing YouTube stuff and like that. Um, but as you guys know, with horsepower happenings, you guys are competing with like dirt on dirt and sure. flow racing. And, and it's, you know, there's a lot of stuff for the V8 guys. We didn't have anything. And, and it's just me. And it, it has given me a platform to be able to help a ton of people with safety because we do a lot of tech heavy stuff. So it's, I don't just tell you that you should be safe. I show you how you should mount your belts and mount yeah. your seat and, and do some of these things. And you've got like whiteboards and you're drawing diagrams mm -hmm. and pictures and things like that. I mean, you really are uh, very yeah. inclusive with that. So that's, and when, when do people find that content? Do you have a, a schedule that you try to do things on a, on a certain timeline? Yeah, I used to be a lot better about schedule and we're trying to get back to it. Um, as you two can see on the video, I've, I'm in my new studio, so we can do a lot of nicer interviews and things like that. Um, I've got the pole barn I'm getting done. So we're going to get back to the schedule. But right now, um, if you head over to Facebook is where I'm at primarily, we're doing some stuff on YouTube, but primarily over on Facebook, um, Tuesday nights, we go live with a tech Tuesday, Thursday nights, we try to go live with an interview and then we try to post stuff in between. Um, occasionally I miss sometimes I try to go about seven o'clock, but sometimes it's a little bit later just with the way my schedule works out. So, you know. Well, last thing for you, Todd, as we move into this segment, you and I have kind of worked on this behind the scenes and <laughs> thrown some ideas back and forth. Give us, give us an idea. What, what's your thought process, right? You've got this, like, we were talking like 10 to 15 minute, you know, 10 mm -hmm. to 12 minute time slot to try to talk to one guy or one gal or maybe two a month. Yeah. Um, who are you eyeballing, right? Bristol's coming up, so that makes that next one easy. Uh, you know, maybe after, you know, the April one's probably easy, but what are we looking for in March? You got any ideas? Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, I might put this to a vote. I might do it with my personal Facebook page and kind of put it up to a vote um, because we've got a few different things with the kind of Michigan, Indiana, you know, this Midwest area. Um, you know, we got Paul Biddle just won down at the Freedom Factory. Um, we got, you know, the National Compact Touring Series champion. We've got the um, Compact Dirt champion. Um, you know, we've got a lot of... There's not a lot going on actual racing wise right this minute, but we do have some people to talk to. So it is going to be hard to narrow it down to 15 minutes. A lot of I know, I, do I know, I put you, in, I put you in a tight box but, there, and we yeah. and we don't want to put anything out on fate because we'll already seen everybody's already begging to come on the show. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Jason and Jones so, was in our inbox as soon as we put this thing out oh, today. Like, yeah. let Mets know I'm ready. I said I'll tell him. So Jason, Jason always wants on. Jason always wants on. Shout out to Jason. I love you, bud. 
Um, yeah, it'll be hard, but I think I think I might I, at least for the first one. And honestly, this might be something I just do going forward, where I put it to a vote and just see what people, you know, who people would like uh, for me to talk to, and and, and go from there. Todd Metz Jr., uh, Front Wheel Discussion is his platform that he's built, and he is the host now of Compact Conversations, fourth Monday of the month, right here on Horsepower Happenings. Todd, thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. Hey, I just want to thank you guys sincerely for uh, thinking of me and giving me this opportunity to, to help expose your guys' uh, audience to some front-wheel drive stuff and, and hopefully change some minds as to how uh, we not only deserve to be places, but uh, you know we do put on some really good racing. So I just I thank, uh, thank both you and uh, uh, Rich for, for allowing me this opportunity, and uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see what we can do with it. Well, Zach, on the phone lines now, we have a gentleman that uh, we've had on the program a couple of times. Uh, Last year, I think he probably would have been happy if he'd have got one outlaw race win at Owasso, where he probably could have had a couple of them. Um, he is a two-time Jake CR All-Stars Tour champion, makes his home in Birch Run, Michigan. Dan Lake, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. Man, let's go back to last year. Um, you jumped in that – first of all, it was so cool, everything that was going on with the outlaw super late models over at Owasso that Rex was doing. Uh, you had the opportunity to run over there, out there in, in Bobby Blount's five car and probably could have had you a couple of wins um, and, and ended up getting none. But you sure ran pretty good out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was cool just to be able to be able to drive um, Bobby and uh, Dent's car there. And, you know, we had really, really good runs. The car was fast every time. Um, led a bunch of laps just. Missed it a little bit on, on fuel mileage, and, uh, you know, then we went back. We changed the fuel cell, thought we had enough fuel to make it through, and lo and behold, ran out of fuel again. So, uh, you know, just uh, kind of ran bad luck there with the fuel cell situation, but, uh, you know, we always were fast, and they, uh, they knew we were there. Several months have gone by since those two incidents happened, and so... You have a problem. The right thing to do is to try to fix the problem. You do what you think you you should do to try to fix the problem. And like you said, we'll be damned if it didn't happen again. Um, yeah. How – I don't know how to phrase this question, but I, I know that we were there the one night, and obviously in the heat of the moment, you're red hot fired up mad that you've just lost another race due to the same darn problem. Um, how do you handle that situation, right, as a driver – as a professional, you're you're kind of a you're in this agreement. We'll call you a hired gun, um, driving somebody else's equipment. There's got to be some delicacy in that. Kind of take me through those situations independently, and maybe as they occurred together, how you dealt with that as a driver who is privileged to drive somebody else's equipment. Yeah, it was a it was a tough deal. You know, I was upset. Um, Bobby was upset. Um, you know, we were. We were all upset. The whole team was upset. We, we thought we fixed the problem. You know, we, we put a bigger cell in it. And, uh, I mean, the last one there, I think we were, I think we made it to five to go. Um, so, so we were, we were getting closer. Um, just, just missed it yet again. But, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a tough deal. I mean, you know, we were all upset. Um, you know, like I say, Bobby was upset. I was upset. And then that, that's, I kind of, think that's kind of why we parted ways you know we, we didn't part ways we didn't want it to be on a bad note but uh just and i've just i've never heard of fuel mileage come into an outlaw race that's what floored me well i, I mean the, the biggest thing was is, is the cautions you know 
there were so many cautions and we rode around for so many laps under caution. Um, and, and in the outlaw stuff, you know, you're running big horsepower engines, so they, they're going to use more fuel. Um, but normally, yeah, normally you don't have to worry about that stuff, but, but the new, the new Owasso Speedway, you're on the gas for so long, you know, you're using a lot more, a lot more fuel. So, um, unfortunately we're the ones that had to figure all that out. And Dan, I, I mean, I've been watching numerous guys run Bobby's cars for years and it's no secret. There is nobody that brings any horsepower more than him to a racetrack that can't help either. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he runs AP engines out of Canada. And I mean, they're, they're some of the biggest hogs that I've ever drove. Um, great, great horsepower. And uh, that five car, I mean, it, it had hands down the biggest engine I've ever drove. So, you know, therefore, you're going to use more fuel. Well, you mentioned it. Uh, you hate to leave a situation on a rough note, but obviously you still have respect for him. You spoke highly of him as we rolled into this segment and um, you know, you're, you're part of a list of guys who've been behind the wheel of that equipment and done really well in it. So, uh, who knows, maybe someday down the line, you'll get back in it and put a win in that column. Let's talk about the new, uh, agreement that you uh, announced last week, um, for this season with, uh, events at Owasso Speedway. You've teamed up with, uh, Tony Roseborough. Talk about that deal, how that came together and what it means for you. Yeah, man, it's awesome. It's, uh, it, it's, um. Uh... Yeah, it's it, it just an awesome deal. Tony's a great guy. Um, so I guess it kind of started uh, Tony and, and a good friend of mine, Neil uh, May. He, he was helping Tony last year, and Neil's always helped me. And he, Neil kind of just talked to Tony and, and put this deal together, and, and uh, I, I really think it's going to be a great deal. Um, you know, Tony's got a lot of sponsors that have been back that are coming on board with me that have been – backing him for several years and then i'm going to have some of my guys come forward this year as well and just going to put everything together and, and hopefully we got you know a really good piece for uh for all the owasso races well and when you guys sit down and you decide okay yep uh tony says you're the guy i want behind the wheel you say yep i want to drive for you are you talking about expectations are you talking about things that you've seen in your equipment things that you've seen in driving other people's equipment what are the conversations like? And obviously some conversations are held behind closed doors for a reason, but give me an overview, right? I mean, what sort of things are you discuss discussing? Do you set expectations in February or do you wait on that? What was the conversations? Uh, no, I mean, all our conversations we've had is uh, we're going there to win. Um, I mean, we've, we've ran there. We've ran that a lasso, you know, in our car last year uh, at the nationals and we ran well. It didn't end well, but we showed good speed. Um, obviously, we ran really good in Bobby's car. Um, so, no different this year uh, going into uh, with Tony's car. We're, we're, we're going there to win. Um, and, and we got a 22-gallon fuel cell right off the get-go. So, I mean, we're going to be that much farther ahead. <laughs> Dan, I got to ask you, you know, with the relationship with, with, with Tony and, and Todd, uh, does this mean you're going to have kind of a teammate relationship with Chan Finley in 2024? Um, I, I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, that was funny. That's funny. And, you know, Chad messaged us, and he goes, you put that story out, I thought I lost my ride. And I said, <laughs> I, th I thought you did too, actually. Um, but uh, they're related, obviously. I think they're brothers. Is that right? Yeah, they're brothers, yep. Okay. So, so no, maybe not teammates. Maybe it's you better beat my brother. 
uh, you better go out there and not let my brother's car win, Rich. Maybe no, I'm, no, my thought was th when you put these those two kind of heads together, I think that's better for the whole team, wouldn't you say, Dan? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, there's uh, there's no I in team, but you know, we'll we'll, we'll see what we can do here. I, I mean, Chad's a smart guy, and uh, I don't know. I, I think when we go to the track this year, I mean, we got one thing on, on our mind, and that's to win. Got a little bit of redemption last year, so. When you're looking at this, too, and you're coming off of a struggle last year, is there any part of you that wants to just say, to heck with it, I'm running my own stuff, I'm putting the 74 car back out there, and I'm going to make sure that everything's, you know, that all the nuts are tight and that I'm going to make sure that the car's full of fuel and the tire pressures are right, I'm going to control my own destiny. Was there any part of you that wanted to go that route? You know, after, after the Nationals, yeah, all winter, that's kind of what I was thinking. And then... Um, then Tony called, and he kind of talked about, you know, what he had in mind, and and I said, you know, it just it sounds like a great deal. I, I couldn't pass it up. So um, I, I think everything's going to be great. I mean, Tony's a great guy. Like I said, Neil Neil May, he's going to help us. Um, we got a lot of good people in our corner, and that's what it takes. So uh, really looking forward to it. I think I think everything's going to be just fine. And that, and that really kind of frees you up, doesn't it, Dan, to do your own thing with the stuff you have uh, when you have the opportunity on those off weeks uh, from the outlaw? I mean, no secret, uh, you know, you run very well in that template car, and you can do other things, whether it's a sportsman ride somewhere. You were in a street stock a couple years ago at Corrigan Oil. Um, I mean, you can go out and do the other things you want to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, this year we're, we're going to be pretty busy at Owasso um, just with them paying. You know, they have so many big paying shows whether it be in the outlaw car or the, you know, their local template races um, and even the Jegs races. Uh, I think they have three of them alone at, at Owasso. Um, so, you know, a lot of racing at Owasso this year. Uh, I think we're going to do six or seven CRA races. Um, and then, then obviously the five outlaws at Owasso. And then, uh, then the growler, um, the growler up at Whittemore too. That's going to be another big one. So yeah, a lot of racing, um, should be a really good year, Dan. I know you, I know you're partial to Birch Run Speedway. It's your home. You've been very successful there, but man, a lot of changes this off season. Probably not ones that you're real happy about. Uh, no outlaw super late models, and only one Jake Serial stars to a race. Your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the, when they first posted the schedule, it looked really promising. There were several uh, outlaw races and and Jegs races, and uh, you know, then all of a sudden. One day I, I get on Facebook and, and, and you see they're all gone, um, you know. So thankfully they, they were able to bring back at least the one Jegs race. Um, does, it, does it hurt? Yeah, you know, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's five minutes from my house. Uh, it's where I grew up racing. So, yeah, it, it's a bummer. Um, I, hope, I hope maybe next year they, they can get the Outlaws back and uh, maybe a few more Jegs races as well. Does that mean, that mean you got to find a modified ride for Bertrand? Ah, uh, we've we've been there, done that. I yeah, I'm I'm good on the modified. <laughs> <laughs> well, does that put any added pressure on you then, um, toward the end of the year, right? When when CRA does come to town, I assume that date is on your calendar for you to have an opportunity to race that close to home. Um, do you look at that one and say must win because it's the one shot at home? Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, really, whenever I go to Birch Run. Uh, especially with the Jeg CRA series, 
you know, I kind of feel like that's my series, my track. So whenever we go there, I, yeah, I mean, you have to perform. I feel like I have to win there. All right. Jeg series, you mentioned it. Uh, I mentioned it. Rich mentioned it. Three standalone events at Owasso Speedway, the Big O Classic, Saturday, May 25th. Uh, Masters of the Pros, 185, Saturday, August 3rd. And then the Owasso Nationals, Sunday, September 22nd. Owasso Nationals weekend just got pretty big for you. Talk about that one first. Yeah, Owasso Nationals is going to be busy. Um, we're going to run the Outlaw Car, the Jegs Race, and then um, potentially uh, the Template Late Model Race as well. So oh. very, very busy week. Will you use the same car? Is the Jegs car the same car that you'd race in the in the Sportsman? Um, well, so like normally leading up to that race, we would use, you know, the same car, but being that, uh, they're on the same weekend, I'll use a different car that weekend. Oh, different engine package. Probably you can run an open engine in the sportsman, can't you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Out there. So in that class, they, uh, they, they got weight breaks for the crate engine. I mean, you can use a built engine or a crate engine. Okay. Um, but for the nationals, we'll, we'll probably just use a different car. All right. You mentioned Growler at Whittemore. Um, obviously, Saturday, July 6th is probably on your calendar for the template car. The uh, 4th up north, 104, the JEG CRA All-Stars Tour going to Whittemore Speedway for the first time ever. Um, another racetrack that's important to you, another racetrack that you obviously have done well at, the Growler's on your list for the Outlaw car. What is this July 6th? How big is this on your calendar? Oh, man, yeah, it's huge. Uh, Whittemore is, uh, actually the first place I ever won, uh, my, my very first feature, um, very first win in the late model. Um, you know, it's where I really learned to race, um, but really, really racy little track. Um, you know, just an awesome place. I'm, I'm super excited to see the series go there. Now, you know more about the Jags tour drivability race cars than I do. I don't, Rich, have you ever been to Whittemore? Yes, I have. You once. have. Okay. I have never been to Whittemore, so I don't know what to expect out of these cars at this racetrack. Can you, February 26th, give me an idea of what I might see in July? Oh, yeah. You're going to see a lot of, you know, good, just really good short track racing side by side. Um, you can set people up, you know, to pass on the inside, on the outside. It's not a follow the leader track. Uh, just, I mean, just a really, really good. Um, real racy track. Might not have all the fenders that you came with on it, right, Dan? <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. I mean, it is a small, you know, you're going to see some bumping and some moving out of the way. And, uh, I mean, they, they do got some rumble strips down there on the bottom, so you might Ooh. see a couple of people get into those and spin out. But, uh, I mean, it, it's just a really, really racy track. All right, so we've got three Owasso. We've got a Whittemore. Any other uh, times that we see that Jegs car come out here in, in 24? Obviously, the tour is quite a bit more centrally located in Michigan this year. Uh, are there any other ones that really piqued your interest when this calendar came out? Uh, the, the race at Corrigan. Um, oh, yeah, 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 that Sunday special, yeah. Yep, yep. And, I mean, that place that place race is real similar to, to the Whittemore. Um, Whittemore's got more of an outside groove than Corrigan, but, I mean, as far as the – the size are real similar. Um, so, yeah, we'll be going to Corrigan, Owasso, Whittemore, Bertrand, and then um, at the end of the year, probably Winchester. 
got to ask you, Dan, you, you, I don't know if you got it on your schedule, but it's a unique type of race. It's the only one like it. It's a combination race at Flat Rock with the ASA CRE uh, Super Series and the Jake Seri All-Stars Tour all in one race on the same racetrack. Two winners you could have, right, for each class. Um, kind of talk about that event. What do you think about that? Yeah, I was, uh, I was actually talking to Scott about that the other day. I, I want to say there's an outlaw race somewhere on that on that same day, so I won't be able to make it. But, uh, you know, I always enjoyed going to Flat Rock, and I think it's really cool how they put the two series together like that to where you can have two different winners. Um, but, uh, yeah, unfortunately this year I think there's something else on that day. And and like and the reason they do that right is is because that's one racetrack where you don't need a lot of horsepower, so it the, the playing field between the two series is really leveled. Oh yeah, absolutely. The last time I went there, we took the, the Jags car, the crate motor car, and we ran in the Super Series, and I think we finished second um, to Hunter Bays, and he had the Super Series package. So I mean, yeah, like you say, it, I mean, it, it really is a very low horsepower track. Um, Really, it was one of the first racetracks I think I've, I don't even think we ever got wide open. Um, just real wore out abrasive track. So, cool place for sure. Just uh, unfortunately won't be able to make it there this year. Dan, you mentioned 24 is a season where you guys feel like you, I, I'm not I'm saying you guys, it's you uh, who said this is a prove yourself year. Um, sometimes prove yourself years are more stressful than if you were running for a Jag Stewart championship again. Um, how do you keep that in check, right? I mean, you, you obviously you say you're going to show up, your goal is to win every time you unload at the racetrack. Obviously, that's every race car driver. But now with Tony and the big shows at Owasso, obviously you'll be doing some things on your own. How do you keep that in check where you say, yeah, we're fired up and we're here to win, but also we got to just do our jobs out here and we got to got to keep everything in line and – we still got to race clean and race smart. Obviously, you, you don't have a problem doing that, but I'm just wondering, right? You don't, you don't want to get fueled by rage and, and uh, you know, that sort of thing where you need to go out there and do something and, and force mistakes, uh, I guess, is where I'm coming at. So what do you do to keep all that in check? Yeah, I mean, I don't really get worked up too easy. So, I mean, I got that going for me. Pretty calm, pretty, pretty level-headed. Um but I, I think the biggest thing is it just starts in the shop, you know, be prepared, um, make sure the cars are 100% when they leave, and, uh, you know, just, just kind of play it smart on the track. Like I seen last year a lot of carnage, so, you know, we got to be there at the end. Dan, you're a two-time Jake Sierra All-Stars Tour champion. Um, kind of take me inside your head. I mean, are your championship running days over where you just go for the big races? Or do you have something on the bucket list that you still, uh, you know, championships that you still want to go after? And, and you mean championship racing in general, right? Not necessarily in the Jags Tour, but right, even like a season championship, or, yeah. like, no matter what class it's in. Yeah, gotcha. I mean, or or is it just fun for you to just go race when you're ready to go racing? Yeah, I, I think kind of the championship days are done. I mean, I'm not saying it may never happen again, but um, right now it just kind of chase the money, the big, the big shows. And then, um, I mean, with, with doing like what we're doing, racing some Jags races, some outlaw races, I mean, it, the schedule's so, so neat right now that I, I'm able to do that. So, um, you know, I, I don't even have any, uh, interest in really running for points just because Owasso's up such money. 
um, you know, and then cool things like going to Whittemore, going to Corrigan Oil, you know, just two different classes, two different cars. So, um, you know, just really no interest in running for points right now. Well, Dan, uh, it's always a pleasure to get a chance to catch up with you. I know uh, Rich and I are excited to see these Owasso races in the Outlaw. Rich and I are excited to see these Owasso races and the Whittemore race uh, in the Template. Actually, Rich, I don't know how many Owasso races you're going to get to see uh, for the Jigs Tour. We were talking about that the other day, maybe one. Um, so, regardless. If I want to get there bad enough, I'll find a way. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be sick on a flat rock day or that's something. That's right. I'll that's, come up with a cough. That's right. <laughs> um, but, man, good luck this year, right? I mean, it's it's got to be tough. Races on my race pass from last year, right? You got a goose egg in the wind column. That's got to be tough to look at. So, um, and we keep yeah. we keep bringing it up too, aren't we? Nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you like everybody I talk to, late model digest. I mean, everybody I talk to lately, they uh, they got to remind me, hey, you ran out of gas and you didn't win any last year. Oh <laughs> uh, well, hey, we're just doing our job, man. Uh, but we're all rooting for you, right? I mean, we we want to see you get back to victory lane. So, uh, well, I appreciate. it. Hopefully 24 is when that happens. Good luck, man. And uh, you already kind of talked about all the people who have come on board that 55 car. Um, so, I don't know. Do you got any more people you need to thank for that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tony and his whole family, uh, Willard's Equipment, TR Timber, Rosebrew Farms, Mr. Asphalt, Bridge Lake Auto, Bassett Wheel, Seneca Performance. Um, you know, my family's a big supporter as well. My wife, she lets me do this all the time. So, you know, I got I got a... You know, my family's behind us 100% as well, so just a lot of supporters. It's going to be a cool deal for sure this year. All right, man. Well, hey, good luck, and uh, looking forward to seeing you. If if not before, uh, we'll see you at Owasso on May 25th. Sound like a plan? All right, sounds good. Thanks, guys. What a pleasure to catch up with Dan Leak. Always nice to hear from him. Thanks to uh, Todd Metz, Jr., for taking on Compact Conversations um, accepting sponsors. That's going to get us awfully popular, Zach, with that compact. You watch. There's a lot of compact fans out there. Somebody said to me, they said, uh, are you sure that our fan base even wants this? And I said, you haven't been fielding the messages that Rich and I have um, looking for this content. So, yes, uh, I am sure. And if it's a hit, Rich, if, if it if it goes off without a hitch, Maybe it's something that we need to look at expanding, and uh, we're open to doing that. So, well, we sure sure got the right guy for the job to bring to to bring his friends, the guys he knows the best, uh, bring them on and talk to them once a month. That's 100%. pretty cool. All right, let's look at that upcoming calendar, Rich. And you did some work today. Thank you for that. You have some stuff on that upcoming calendar. Tell me what's cooking. Yeah, Zach. Uh, Zach, you, you like working at a racetrack, like one single racetrack, or are you just like going around? Um, I'm still in my uh, young and ambitious traveling days, so that's not for me. Well, if you'd like to work at a single racetrack uh, throughout the summer, uh, this Saturday, March 2nd, Birch Run Speedway is having a summer job fair, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Uh, in the Gas Alley Bar and Grill. Now that, uh, you, that I can get behind. Can I just yeah. go to the Gas Alley Bar and Grill? We can do that. Yeah, I'm sure, they're, that. I'm sure they'd sell us Pepsis there. Is this on Saturday? That's on Saturday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., yes. It might be a nice little motorcycle ride. Uh, there you the go. And then, you can, Zach, you might be able to meet people that want to be gate attendants, cooks, bartenders, sales staff, track officials, and more. Uh, they will be doing same-day interviews. Just bring your employment docs. That means your resume, any history you have, your driver's license. Bring all that with you. Uh, and maybe you can go to work 
this summer at the Birch Run Speedway. If you've ever worked at a racetrack, you know this, but if you've never worked at a racetrack and you're thinking about it, and Rich, back me up on this, you will gain a second family from the first night. Now, there's just like regular family, there's going to be some hiccups. You're going to want to punch some people in the nose every once in a while, but at the end of the day, that's you are gaining another family um, because you see these people, you work with these people, you pour your heart and soul into this uh, industry with these people for 17, 18 weeks out of the year, and it is a fantastic experience. And yep. uh, it was one of the best things I ever did when I hung up the helmet is to get involved in the other side of racing. Yeah, exactly. And I not I'm pretty fortunate. I mean, I you know, Zach, I have the uh, you know, honor of working at two racetracks plus working a two, a couple of tours as well. And uh, you just meet so many great people. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many people I've met since I got out of the race car and just started being at the racetracks and then traveling with the tours, doing different tours and different ra- different series. Um, how yeah, many but- people I've met. Uh, I it, it's just an awesome experience, and, and I would do it again all over again. And people that you could pass on the street and not care about, that now, if you see them in public, you're stuck there for 15, 20 minutes uh, in conversation. Or if you see somebody wearing a racing shirt, right, and it happens to be from Birch Run, guess what? You're going to be in that conversation now, too. So um, not for the faint of heart. And for some of these jobs, let's be honest, if you're going there thinking you're going to get to see racing for free and make a paycheck at the end of it, no, you're there to work. Uh, I think that's the biggest misconception, but it's still going to be extremely rewarding and, and a really good time. So there you go. Upcoming event calendar, though, Rich. This one's coming up, and I've cleared my schedule. We're going to be there Saturday, March 16th. Tell me about it. Yep. So we, I, I figured this was close enough, three weeks away, so we might as well start pumping this thing now to try to try to build up the house. I'm with you. Except the 7th Annual uh, Michigan Auto Racing Fan Club Bowling Tournament presented by Northside Towing, Auto Value Parts Stores, Airlift, XLT Engineering, and Owasso Speedway. That's Saturday, March 16th, 12 p.m. to 3 p.m., Zach, at Royal Scott Golf and Bowl, same place we've been the last couple of years, in Lansing. 12 bucks for two games. Sign, sign uh, in begins at noon. Bowling kicks off at 1 p.m. And random team draw, at least if it's how it was last uh, couple times, random team draw, so you could get – and you don't have to bowl with your team either. Rich and I could end up being on the same team, and he could say, to hell with you, I'm going to go bowl with the Finleys. And I'll say, to hell with you, I'm going to go bowl with, you know, Dan Leak. And it's fine. We can do that. Um, and uh, they tally your score, and it's a great time. Nobody cares about the bowling. Um, everybody's there to have fun, have a couple adult beverages, raise some money um, for some great organizations. And this is cool too, Rich. They've announced some of the special guest speakers – that are going to be in attendance at this thing. And I think they've knocked a couple of these out of the park. Yeah. So afterwards, uh, when they have the award ceremony and the raffles at, at the end and, and give out all the prizes, uh, the Michigan Auto Racing Fad Club is going to have their monthly meeting. And, uh, boy, these are a couple guys on the dirt and pavement that uh, you they're, they're can't-miss guys, right, Zach? Uh, sprint car driver Brad Lamberson and pavement modified ace Aaron Taylor will be in the house. Uh, I'm assuming they're going to bowl as well. So they'll be around all day and they're, you know, they'll, they'll talk to anybody who wants to hang around and, and they'll get up and speak and kind of talk about their racing careers and where they're at and where they're heading. That should be good. Uh, Brad, we gotta, we gotta pull his teeth on these interviews and in victory lane. So handing him a microphone and an open platform, I'm excited for that. And he might get heckled a little too. So that, <laughs> that should be a good time. Uh, again, Saturday, March 16th, 
Will there be green beer? That's what I want to know. Um, I can bring something to make it green <laughs> if you want. <laughs> uh, March 16th, Saturday, noon to 3, check-in at noon, bowling at 1, Royal Scott Golf and Bowl in Lansing. It's a great time. Bring the family, bring the race team, bring everybody, right? Bring everybody. And you might even get teamed up with Zachariah. You never know. God bless you if you do um, <laughs> because, woof, yeah, yeah, we're, we're quite a pair. Um, so there you go. Is that a show? Is that a wrap? Is anything else we could have fit into an hour and a half? Uh, we're pretty darn close to that time mark, too. So <laughs> with that being said, again, special thanks to uh, Brian. Uh, Brian Ruhlman for joining us. What a great interview with Brian. That was uh, one of my favorite interviews that we've done with him. Todd Metz, uh, look for Compact Conversations coming up fourth Monday of the month all season long. And then, of course, Dan Leak. Uh, good to catch up with him again on behalf of Scott Miller, who pays the bills. Rich France, my co-host. I'm Zach Heiser. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. The views and opinions expressed in tonight's show may not directly reflect that of Horsepower Happenings. The contents of this program may not be reproduced, retransmitted, or disseminated without the express written consent of Horsepower Happenings. Follow Horsepower Happenings on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and iTunes to keep up on what's happening.